Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Spreading the Word. I'm your host, Paul Basanti. Have you ever felt burdened by the work you're doing in the church? Have you ever felt burnout? Have you ever felt like your struggles and your sin maybe didn't make you worthy enough of drawing close to God in prayer or being a functioning member of the church? Well, today, in the continuation of the series I've titled Enough, we speak about the burdens we place on ourselves to attain a certain level of holiness or righteousness before we consider our relationship with God to be on solid footing. Well, we dive into the book of Philippians today to see how Paul struggles with the same sort of attitude, and he gives us some great advice on how to retool that insecurity and that desire to serve as an outpouring of gratitude instead of trying to work to achieve our own salvation. So without further ado, here we go. Morning, church. Let's pray. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's have a prayer. God in heaven, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you that we can direct our hearts and minds towards you. And we just pray that uh, as a congregation, as a, a gathering of, of believers in you, that we can um, we can trust in your promises, that we can uh, gain strength and assurance from the word that we're about to read. And God, we just pray that. Uh, you'll work through all of us to accomplish your your amazing things. Um, God, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice uh, being enough to cover over a multitude of sin of ours. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, last week we started a series called Enough, and we spoke about um, God's glory being magnified uh, through pathetic or unideal or weak situations. Uh, When we look at these different situations uh, that come out of either a sinfulness or out of hurt or out of pain or out of weakness or out of some inability to look at it and see that, uh, you know, it's it's a culmination of of great things other than the fact that God is working through them. we see God's love and his mercy and majesty made all the more clear in the outcome of the situation. Uh, We discussed that the saving power of God is not found in a specific set of skills or abilities or uh, to be, you know, uh, spreading the word. We don't have to be a a compelling uh, debater or intellectual or anything of that nature, but the power is in God's own word. We discussed several situations in Scripture where this is made pretty clear. Uh, the first was Joseph, um, and, and through all the, the terrible uh, atrocities that he went through, and the pain and the anguish and the, the time in jail and the persecution that he went to, we see the preservation of Israel uh, came about as a result. We see through the, the sinful life of, of Rahab that um, when the Jews came to conquer an opposing city-state, uh, it was provided for through the, the work and 
an effort of Rahab acknowledging God, who ultimately was a, a, a linchpin in, in Jesus' lineage. And then we saw that the, the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles was accomplished through a man like Saul, who was persecuting the church. So through all those situations, we talked how God's grace was enough to overcome these worldly things that, that otherwise you would look at and think, oh, that, that can't be God working through that. It's so, so evil. It's so sinful. It's so pathetic. That wouldn't be the, the work of our glorious king. But in fact, it was. And we see that God works through those situations and delights in those situations because his glory is magnified all the more. So this week, in the second half of, of the series, we're going to talk about the fact that the victory has already been won. That God's plan has already been achieved. That, that salvation is already granted. What's the problem that we face a lot of times? It's, it's that we don't have confidence. We don't have confidence in our abilities. We don't have confidence in our flesh. We don't have confidence in the, the, the work that we're called to do. The calling to a Christian life is not one that is necessarily easy. Uh, it's, it's a simple one, sure, but it's not necessarily an easy yoke to take up, nor one to be taken light, lightly. Jesus himself has several parables that, that he offers uh, when considering counting the costs of becoming a Christian. Uh, Jesus teaches us to put others ahead of ourselves. When he gives the, the parable of the wedding banquet, he says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. When someone invites you to this wedding, you don't take a place of honor at the front because someone can come up to you and, and ask you to, to take a lower seat. That's, that seat is reserved for someone else. Please move down here. That's a, that's a humiliating situation. He wants you to take the low position and be asked to move up to the position of honor. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Another cost of becoming a Christian is that we can't seek to do things for our own reward. We can't seek compensation or, or reciprocal action for the good deeds that we do. Jesus offers another parable about a banquet where if you're hosting a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your work associates or the rich or the, the affluent or influential for the hope of being paid back for bringing them. Invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the guy at your work who isn't really the, the big mover and shaker. Invite these people into your life, into your acts of service, not for the thought of being repaid because your reward will not be given through that person that you're serving, but your reward is stored up in heaven. Another thing that Jesus describes through his parables is another banquet. And uh, he talks about this, this banquet owner. Picture this banquet owner who invites many guests to come to, to his, his feast. And uh, a lot of these guests who are invited have a lot of excuses not to come. Oh, sorry, I just bought a field. I, I can't come. Another just bought five oxen, and he has to bring them back and yoke them. I don't know what you do with oxen, but you do something with them that prevents you going from a banquet, obviously. Or another couple was just married, 
You see, Jesus says that we have to put our, our lives and our personal goals on hold sometimes in order to serve as a Christian. You see, these guests that didn't come uh, left vacancies at this banquet. The banquet's already been prepared. The feast is already ready. The, the, the entire event is already planned. It's going to happen. But if you don't accept that invitation and put these other things on hold, you're going to miss out. So instead, that banquet owner went out and he invited the poor and the lame and the crippled and, and anyone who would come, and they came. And Jesus' message is that those who were invited but refused would not be given a taste of the banquet feast. Between the costs we're called to count as Christians and the, the rigors of resisting the temptations that we have in our life at every turn, the, the walk of a Christian can be very arduous can be very consuming of, of energy and, and motivation. And how often have you seen Christian burnout? How often have you seen someone who is one of, a, one of the huge role players in a church or a ministry area just burn out because they've had too much on their shoulders, they've had too much they were doing, they've, they've spread themselves too thin, they haven't had the support they've wanted, but they're, they, they want to serve, they want to keep serving, but they're just, they're done. How often have we seen that? I've seen it a, a number of times in, in my life, and I guess that's a few years now. Um, the burden of living up to the calling of counting these costs, of battling sin, of serving in the church, can be overwhelming if we try to shoulder everything ourselves. Paul relates to this struggle in his letter to the Philippians. We're going to read in chapter 3, starting in verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, to attain the resurrection from the dead. When Paul is addressing a problem, he, he references those dogs. He's, he's countering false teachings from these these speakers who were trying to infiltrate the church and, and spread false teachings about upholding old Jewish laws. In, in other letters that, that Paul has written, we've seen a lot of indication of him combating these, these teachings of 
you still have to follow these Old Testament laws. You still have to follow these these rituals, these Hebraic cleansing rituals, these these different things that that were required to be a to be a Jew. Uh, but but Paul's point is that we're freed from that. The restrictions that were attempting to be placed on the church in Philippi by these false teachers is burdensome and it's destructive. The need to go through the rigmarole of, of everything that was in the Old Testament covenant to the Jews was counterproductive to what Christ came to do in freeing us from those obligations when he died on the cross for our sins. Paul pleads with the church elders here to understand that righteousness is not through acts of flesh. And rather than focusing on deeds, God is calling us to a life of faith. You see, we don't need to work and work and work and fight these things on our own uh, just to have assurance of our standing before God. We just need to live up to what we've already attained through Christ. If we keep reading from the same passage in Philippians in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us are mature should take such a view, thi- a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with the others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomachs, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. We don't need to shoulder all the responsibility of earning our salvation. I'm sure we've heard it all before that our salvation is through faith and not works. We've also heard that Faith without works is dead. But the burnout and the anguish and the hardship and the endurance should not be entirely on our shoulders. You see, we only need to live up to what we've already attained through Christ. If we stand firm in the Lord we can recognize that the victory has already been won. The hard work towards God's plan of salvation has already been done. When Christ died in place of us, 
He paid the cost of our sins. He paid the atonement that would be needed to restore our relationship with God. We don't need to leave on, live on this constant knife edge of, of fear and worry and anxiety over our, our standing before God. We are redeemed to Him. We are restored to Him. Our relationship has been repaired. The sin that we have brought into our lives has been paid for. The battle is over. The victory is Christ's. Our souls are God's bounty for that victory. Are we called to serve? Yes. Are we called to fight against the temptation of sin? Obviously. Of course we are. Should we strive to put God before everything else in our lives? Absolutely. None of this changes. But what I'm trying to encourage us today is that all these things that we do, the, the ministry work that we do, the think of that, that Christian burnout thing, all, all the the endurance in the face of temptation of sin, all the feelings of, of guilt and shame after a period of sin, all the, the effort and tirelessness that goes into serving should not be something that we try to do first to assure ourselves of a standing before God, but it should be an outpouring of gratitude knowing that we have assurance in our salvation and our restored relationship with God. Too many times we beat ourselves up and limit our relationship with God over guilt and shame and fear and insecurity. But the surpassing mercy of God has already overcome all those faults in us. So what do we do from a practical point of view? How do we take this and how do we apply this in our lives so that we can relieve ourselves of some of this burdensomeness? Don't focus on your failings. We've all failed. We will all continue to fail. Those fails have happened, are happening, and will happen in the future. That is part of who we are as a broken and sinful people in need of a restored relationship with God. Don't focus on the failings of your brothers or sisters either. They have failed in the past. They continue to fail, and likewise, they will fail in the future. Focus instead on the love that God showed us through Christ at the cross. This was done at a time when nobody on earth deserved it. Nobody was worthy of Christ going to the cross in their place. No one deserved that gift. Likewise, we should turn around and show that level of mercy to our brothers and sisters as well, especially when they don't deserve it. Especially when they don't deserve it. And lastly, take peace and assurance that you have a restored relationship with God, that your sinfulness and your brokenness and your stiff-neckedness and your rebellion against the things that God calls you to do has already been paid for. And in recognizing that, turn your heart around and, and pour out the gratitude that you have for God bridging that gap.
God's victory in Jesus at the cross was more than enough, was more than anything we could ever do to attain the same result. God's victory at the cross is enough. We don't have to do anything more. We can't do anything more. There's no amount that we could place on our shoulders in terms of prayerfulness or service or devotion or giving or anything that could ever accomplish what Christ accomplished at the cross for us. And so that's it. We just have to live up to what we've already attained and have been given freely through the cross with Jesus' sacrifice. I thank you for joining us today. Again, if you're in the Kitchener area and you're looking to plug into a church, reach out to us on email, Twitter, um, Instagram, wherever you see this. Find a way to reach out to us. We'd be happy to connect with you and put you in touch with our congregation, any resources you need if you're going through anything difficult. If you are a Christian and you're hearing this, don't let the burden of sin and burnout tear you down. You have a relationship with God. You're saved. You are redeemed to him. You're no longer separated by this chasm of sin. If you haven't given your life to Christ yet, then what is there to lose? You have nothing to lose but the burdens that you're carrying on your shoulders right now. All this can be taken away and it's it's given freely through God. Reach out to us, talk to us. We'd love to work through this with you and to help you uh, search for these answers yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look into these things yourself. Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Feel free to send us your comments, your questions. Love to hear from you. And uh, may God bless you in this coming week. Thank you very much.